So I'm wondering when the last time was that you may have read Isaiah 58. I don't know about you, but I've read this several times in the last year, and it just keeps sticking out to me so much that I just I have to go ahead and share what is here because I feel like we think this kind of thing is historic and it's talking about the Jewish people way back when, but I believe that it is very um, prominently a thing now and the way that God is moving is it's just speaking exactly to where we are at right now, okay? So it starts out saying, Shout with a voice of a trumpet blast. Shout out loud and don't be timid. Tell my people of their sins. So I think many of us, first of all, are timid. Now, the people that aren't timid and they want to go around and, and tell everybody what they're doing wrong, um... Well, let us not forget the rest of the Bible that is talking about, you know, the log in your own eye while you're trying to get the speck out of your friend's eye. Um, So humbly and in a place of surrender, we should always remember that we are included in God's people and our sins are, are there, whether we see them or not, and in a place of understanding that we are dependent on his grace as well is why we can not be timid about speaking his truth because it should be at work in our lives as well. So, you know, reprimands often come in the Bible first and then, and then these promises, if you do what he's asking to do. So he just kind of spells out like what, people are doing. And it says here in verse two, Isaiah 58 verse two, they act so pious. They come to the temple every day. They seem delighted to learn about me. Okay. In the church these days, people come and seem like they want to learn about God, but we're missing a lot of times knowing him personally. I mean, really knowing him like a friend you want to go take a walk with and and get to know better. So it says they act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending that they want to be near me. And the reason this sticks out to me is because I think there is a pretending that we want to be near God when actually where our priorities are can often be in we want a nicer house or we want to have the house that we can invite everybody to and everybody oohs and ahs about all the cool things we have or we want the most incredible property or, you know, we ask God to to take action for us and and let's just see what he, he says about this, okay? So they say, we have fasted before you. They say, why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice it. I mean, I've prayed that kind of thing before, right? And he says, I will tell you why. It is because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. 
what good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? Okay, is there not fighting and quarreling going on in the church right now? Okay, this is why the church isn't something the world looks too much, because sometimes we're fighting worse than they do. He says, this is the kind of fasting that will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your head like reeds, bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourselves with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? So he's talking about, even though we don't really do the ashes thing now, he's talking about this this act of like, you know, woe is me, this outward appearance of of seeking him and everybody gets impressed with that, thinking that you're pretty spiritual or you have a lot of self-control to, to be not eating or whatever. But this is what he says. No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry Give shelter to the homeless, give clothes to those who need them, and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Now, what's interesting about this is that most of us, <laughs> from what I observe in the church today, there is very little sharing food with the hungry, identifying with those people, and giving shelter to the homeless. How many of us have opened our homes to a homeless person, right? I mean, obviously that has to be spirit led, but he is saying fasting is, is a deprivation of your own fleshly desires for the sake of someone else. That's love. Isn't that the greatest commandment, right? So he's saying, deprive yourself, not, not just of food necessarily, but but of the things that you hold in high esteem that make you feel good for the day or whatever. So instead of your nice home being something you can show all the church folk, invite a homeless person in, right? Okay, is the church doing this? So before we think that this doesn't necessarily apply to us, let's check ourselves on this kind of thing. Are we, if we're a boss somewhere, are we being rude or demeaning to our employees? Are we oppressing them? Okay. Are we manipulating them to get what we want? Are we even blackmailing? This happens with people who claim to be Christian and, or Christ followers or whatever. So this is an incredible thing to check ourselves against. Even, even as we're teaching our children, like, are we being unnecessarily cruel um, and what we're asking them to do, are we showing kindness and, and showing them what to do by example of how hard we work? So anyways, he's saying, if you do this kind of fasting, he's saying, here's the promise. Then your salvation will come like the dawn. Your wounds will quickly heal. This is so interesting because if we are doing the right kind of fasting, then why are so many in the church so sick, right? This says that your wounds will heal. Your salvation will come like the dawn. That, to me, that's saying a brightness on your face that is unusual, that is 
amazing. Okay. This we're thinking about other people. And so we get these awesome promises. The wounds will hear quickly. Your godliness will lead you forward. So any of you that feel stuck, okay, these godly acts of reaching out beyond your wants and desires is what will lead you forward. And the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. So the godliness will lead you forward and the glory will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer, yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Oh, Lord, help us on that in the church. Feed the hungry and help people who are in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will become bright as noon. Okay, this sounds like some of the prayers that were, oh, God, help this and help that. He's already showing us how we can see the light shine brighter and it's through our love it's through our actions of surrender and sacrifice for others so the lord will guide you continually giving you water when you are dry and restoring you your strength because you think well i can't do too much for other people because i'll i'll get beat down or you know tired out and he's saying no i'll be restoring your strength you'll be like a well-watered garden like an ever-flowing spring. Again, this is Isaiah 58. I'm ready for verse 12. Some of you will rebuild deserted ruins of your cities. Okay, how many of us are asking God like to, to help this city, you know, to do something with our city? Like he's giving us the keys of what he will bless so that that will happen. So instead of just praying and having prayer meetings over this, we need to activate our our faith in those prayers by doing what he promises will get the results we're looking for okay i just think this is so cool so the lord will continually or guide you continually and you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and restorer of homes a rebuilder of walls and restorer of homes i mean you can't just gloss over this stuff this is so beautiful. How many homes need restored? Many of us in our very own home, we need restoration. Okay, good things. So he goes on in verse 13, talking about keeping the Sabbath day holy. Now that's one of the 10 commandments that so many people just chuck aside like it doesn't matter that much. But it's a Ten Commandment. Are we still not supposed to murder? Come on, guys. There's something here to this Sabbath day. He knows that we as humans need a day to rest in Him. To rest from our work and our striving and to enjoy the things He's given us. Whether it's children or friends or, you know, and just be with Him. Get out in nature on the Sabbath day. Do do something that makes you realize who he is, where he is, connecting with God. And, and I do believe whatever day you choose that to be, it's supposed to be weekly. That was the example that he himself gave us. So um, it says, enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight. Like, be happy about it. The fact that you can't do certain work or whatever on that day. 
And I'm not talking about getting religious and and making up rules of things you can or cannot do. I'm talking about stopping long enough to remember why you are getting the privilege to take your next breath. Right? Then it says, the Lord will be your delight. And I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the same inheritance that I promise to your ancestor Jacob. I, the Lord, have spoken. Now he is being very clear through the prophet Isaiah of what he is looking for in his church. I encourage you to read this chapter yourself and in all the versions you need to, to get it in your heart and your head what he is looking for because I'm telling you we fall into complaining we fall into gossiping we fall into so many things that this is clearly stating you know if we if we feel deprived of something then we want to go and deprive someone else even more and we feel justified in that and it's like this is clearly stating that if, if we give that up, if we surrender that. So I guess I'm coming to the conclusion that fasting really doesn't have to do with like food or media or anything like that necessarily. It can, but I think it's a heart posture. I think in general, it's just a deprivation of your own interests in order to care, truly care about someone else's need. And on top of that, care about someone else's need without patting yourself on the back for being super spiritual about it. Because the fact is you have needs too. Now, if, if, if society looks at your needs as less, you know, crazy or whatever, than than say a homeless person, then thank God for that. Okay. His grace is amazing on us, but maybe your need is that you need a home. Okay, let's relate to people. Um, I love what Paul says when he says, I've learned to be content in all things. Well, you can't be content if all you're doing is sitting around thinking about the things you don't have yet that you want. Even if it even if it seems like some kind of spiritual thing, well, I want God to bless this city. I want him to, and it's like, it states in Isaiah 58 so clear how you can restore your cities, how you can be the rebuilder of the walls. And it starts with our heart posture. It starts with how we treat people. If I was going to put in one sentence, how are we treating people? Are we smiling at them? Are we giving grace when they give us the wrong change? Are we, I mean, these things can only be done through the spirit of God in you. And if you don't have your Sabbath, if you don't have your time with God, and and I'm not talking about reading every day, okay? Anybody can read the Bible every day. Atheists have done it all the time just to try to prove Christians wrong. I'm talking about asking him to show you his truth in his word, what he's actually trying to say. I'm talking about a surrendered heart posture, not shaking your fists at him, but just... I don't know, Lord, and let him just speak to your heart. Let him just love you. Let him just be with you. Like a child wants to be with a parent, and the parent is is delighting in that. Like he delights in the fact that we say, Hey, Daddy, <laughs> come play with me. Come be with me. 
watch me do this or that. That is a delight to God. And when we get that through our minds, it is easier, so much easier to love, to truly love and to not oppress and not have a heart posture of like, oh, give me what I want. I'm sure you've heard before, God is not a genie in a bottle, okay? We don't, we don't rub him the right way and, and get what we want. He is someone who wants a relationship. Genies don't have relationships. He wants us to love him. He wants to show his love back. And I can personally testify that he does do what he says he's going to do. And his promises do come true. Just recently, we literally watched in front of our eyes one of the promises he's given us a couple decades ago come true right before our eyes and we had to get our our minds in a place where we could even receive it because it's so unbelievable and so incredible um that it's finally here what he said is finally true and i just encourage you that it is coming if you pursue him what you are asking him for what you're longing for is coming He's a good father. He gives us desires for a reason. And I have very, not very often been on the end where I can see literally his glory being shown and, and, and his reward of those who diligently seek him. These things are in the Bible. They are true. He is real and he wants you. So get with him okay and read isaiah 58 because it's awesome love you guys till next time over and out